All right, it's been a while since I've done this, so I might be a little rusty. <laughs> I took a break from creating content for a little bit. Um, all right, cool, let's do it. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ranked, a Hopped LA podcast where we rank the beers and you drink them. My name is Gary, and I am joined by one of my most favorite people in the world, beer drinker extraordinaire, Russell H. Beer. Welcome to the show. Oh, man. I mean, for, for an expecting father to put me on the list of the most favorite uh, people in the world, that's, uh, that's high praise. That's high praise. Thank you, Gary. You earned it, sir. Um, <laughs> Russell, Russell is uh, the owner of the beertravelguide.com. And basically, when there's not a uh, pandemic raging in this world, you're traveling around to all the <laughs> cool cities in LA, hitting up all the beer. So that's, I mean, that's why... I keep you as a friend. <laughs> well, it's as good a reason as any in this town. Um, yeah, uh, traveling was hard this year. We only went <laughs> to a couple of places. And so a lot of the uh, best of lists that we're doing on the website right now uh, are definitely skewing a little more California based, but that's not a bad thing, you know, supporting the local people uh, at a time when they definitely need it. So uh, yeah, it, it, works out pretty well and so that's why i'm super happy to be talking about what we're talking about tonight I yes think I've got, yeah a few things to say on the matter perfect transition to set up today's show we are going through the best beers we drink in 2020 uh this is always a really fun exercise and, and we were just talking about this like thank you for joining during such a busy time for you like the, your end of the year you're creating <laughs> list after list and another list here and another list there and there's a lot of beers to remember from throughout the year so thanks for joining man i mean thanks for making the time yeah we are dropping a new very lengthy list every like three or four days during this period uh mm. until all the lists are done uh and all leading up to my favorite list that we do every year on the website, uh, the best beer in every state that we had. Uh, we have a thing that I, that I call on Instagram the 50 states challenge, where I have uh, at least some beer from every state in America uh, within the calendar year. And normally it's a lot easier than it was <laughs> this year because I go to Great American Beer Fest and I go to a bunch of those places. And so I can, I can pinpoint and, and sort of track down a lot of the uh, people from, let's say, Mississippi or West Virginia or the, the states that you never see beer from. Mm -hmm. uh, so that one will drop uh, right before New Year's, probably like 28th, 29th. But yeah, we're we're in all systems go mode right now. It's, <laughs> it's definitely been cr pretty crazy. So I'm glad to be uh, doing something that involves talking rather than writing for a change. This is a nice change of pace. I know you're coming down to the final hour on getting beer from all 50 states. Did you do it? Have you completed that task? It's looking good. It's okay. looking good. Uh, I'm down to two that I have not received any beer from, but they are both states uh where we can get beer locally uh, there's delaware 
where I do have stuff on the way, it's taking longer than I thought, but uh, push comes to shove, I can get some dogfish head or whatever. That's yeah. like a little <laughs> cheating, but like uh, I'll do what I've got to do uh, to finish the challenge. And then Hawaii, uh, we've got somebody who will be there toward the end of the year. It's unclear if they will get me any before we have to write the article. In fact, I'd say it's probably unlikely, but the the Maui Brewing uh, Coconut Porter that's available at like BevMo or whatever is always really good. It's one of the better sort of mass-produced out-of-state porters you can get. Uh, so I can I can always settle for that. Maybe I'll get lucky and I'll find a, a bottle of the barrel-aged Maui Brewing Coconut Porter, mm. uh, which is also like really nice. So yeah, I, I think it is very, very likely that we will complete it. I've not yet completed it. There's definitely some stuff waiting in my fridge to be consumed, uh, but I'm focusing on, I'm drinking LA beer tonight. I figured that was appropriate. Uh, so uh, I put away the Alaska beer uh, for, uh, <laughs> you know, for an evening. Cool, man. Well, what are you drinking? So right now, I'm so glad you asked, by the way, this is, it's hilarious that I like, I planned the visuals for this. <laughs> When this is not a visual medium at all, uh, but I'm wearing maybe there will be like the little picture in the uh, in the thing or whatever. But I'm wearing the Highland Park Brewery beanie. I'm wearing the Dry River uh, Brewing shirt. Uh, I've got all manner of glassware that I pulled from a lot of the breweries that'll be included on my top ten. So I had like all these like visual gags that I was gonna do, and then I was like, oh wait a minute, this is a, an absolute waste. Um, I am drinking from Indie Brewing. Uh, I'm drinking Treats, uh, which is a toasty malted crunch nut brown ale with vanilla. Uh, definitely this time of year I do with sort of the wintry vibe. You know, it's a little bit cooler outside. I like a good sort of like nut brown ale. Uh, my wife, Emily, is very, very much into the brown ales this time of year. Uh, and Indie Brewing puts out really solid stuff. Uh, I very rarely have things that I don't like from them. Uh, and they do a lot of cans. So, I mean, that's, that's really a, a tip of the cap to them. Uh, Design on Draft did the, uh, the can art here. Uh, yeah. Shout out there. Uh, this is very, very cool can art. And I've got, obviously, the, uh, the proper glassware, the Indie nice. Brewing. And this is, this is one of my favorite glasses that, like, any L.A. brewery has produced. This is an incredible glass this one that no one listening can see <laughs> this is just for gary i've created some just gary content on this podcast yeah i have that glass too it's really really cool and yeah, i have a can of that beer i haven't tried it yet um so i'm looking forward to trying that one yeah it's pretty good um it's definitely you know it's got the brand it's not like brown ale like ventures too far from the formula Right. Mm -hmm. Like if you've had a brown ale, you know, more or less what your base is, but it's well executed. Uh, the vanilla is not too strong. Uh, definitely. Sometimes when you see like a with vanilla, you worry that maybe the sweetness will overwhelm. Definitely not the case here. Uh, the word toasty in the name of it, uh, I would definitely say it sort of skews a little more on the toasty side than the sweeter side, uh, which, you know, I think is a good thing at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a nice nice thing from Indy and Indy did not end up making my top 10. They were in my best California beers of 2020, my longer list. Uh, they were on the short list that I made for this, narrowing it down to 10 beers when there are so many terrific craft breweries in LA. 
uh, is borderline impossible. <laughs> In fact, it is impossible. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I wanted to make sure I gave Indy uh, some proper love here uh, on the show uh, because they're not on the top 10, but they were, they were definitely very close. And I think they do really nice work. Yeah. Agreed. Nice to see them represented. What are you drinking, Gary? I got a, uh, a West coast IPA. I'm just keeping it going all year long. I'm not paying attention to any seasonal beer trends whatsoever. I'm just going <laughs> bitter and hoppy straight to the dome. This one's from El Segundo collab with Hop Saint, South Bay Ooh. Bubble. It's a couple weeks old. Uh, it's just, it's just as West Coast as you can get. It's so good. And oh, what I was gonna, what I was gonna say uh, when I saw you on Instagram Live the other day is you are, you are, you know, the brewer for Hop Saint, Brian Brewer. You're his I've, doppelganger. I've, Really, I've you, I've you met I've met him before. I've met him at a uh, at a. You festival. guys have that like dirty blonde, both like long hair. Now that you have that like mullet thing, I I love that you referred to the gray that I rock as dirty blonde. <laughs> that makes that makes me feel very happy. Um, yeah, I've definitely got the sort of mullety vibe. That's actually why I really like this Highland Park Brewery beanie that I got at the holiday beer hop uh, last weekend. Uh, they had sort of a deal with it. They told me it was like olive green. I was like, I don't know if that's like the color for me or whatever, but then I put it on. And I was like, well, this is good for the uh, quarantine hair that I've been sort of uh, building over the last 10 months or nine. I, I don't even remember how many months. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're being terrible podcasters by just referencing so much visual aspects right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got my beer port and guys, you can't see it. It's crystal clear. It looks beautiful. Um, so yeah, West I'm going to drink baby. it. I think that it's just time to get into this list. We got to, we got to yeah. run down these, these top 10 best beers that we drank in 2020. Um, so we're going to kick it off 10 to one and Russell, I, I'd, I'd love for you to just kick us off with your number 10. Okay. Now I got to start by getting a clarification on a rule that we debated via email. Oh, yes. First of all, first of all, I love that you're drinking a, a West Coast IPA from El Segundo and Hop Saint, two great West Coast IPA makers. That's yeah. incredibly on brand for Gary. Uh, <laughs> we had debated, do we go strictly within the confines of LA County or do we include things right outside? Now, you had suggested that if it is close enough to LA County, that we are going to include it for the purposes of this of this podcast as within the confines of LA. Are we are we still sticking to this? Yes. You get one. Okay. You get one. Okay. Oh, I get one. Just one. Oh yeah. wow. Okay. Does this screw oh, you up? Man, no, it doesn't. Um, I don't think it does. Uh, but that is an incredibly interesting wrinkle to throw into things. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start. I deliberated over this and anybody who wants to see my longer list, if you go to the beer shameless plug, and you check out the best California beers of 2020, there are a good 15 to 18 that all could be on this list. And so to narrow it down to 10 was very, very hard. And you'll also notice that some places that I always praise that are really good, but probably don't necessarily need the praise I sort of left off. Like Monkish is not on here. Do I think that Monkish made maybe the best IPA that I had this year from LA? Probably, right? Or, or it would be very, very high on the list. Do I think they need to be mentioned on a podcast like this? Probably not. I, I, I chose instead to include some people uh, that made some phenomenal beers that maybe uh, could use more love uh, than the people who already have an abundance of hype. 
Uh, and so respect to Monkish on that, but you know, and obviously also I wanted to make sure that I had my butt covered for when people are like, here's a podcast about the best beers in LA and nobody mentioned Monkish. It's like <laughs> Monkish is its own mention. Its existence is its own mention. We don't necessarily need to, uh, yeah. need to do that. I, I also think that I like to name this, uh, I'm going to do an article on it. It'll be this podcast, the best beers we drank. So it's not. Sure definitive list uh you know everyone has their own their own thing so you do you whatever you want to do keep it la you get one nearby (laughs) kick it off number 10 let me hear it all right no no more stalling here it is Uh, i'm gonna go number 10 i'm gonna start with my local guys this is such a homer pick uh santa monica brew works uh spread love uh which is a, a hazy ipa that came out during the quarantine uh or it was right after they opened and, and you could sit and and consume something uh i forget what month that was uh it's very grapefruit forward uh i would say that it 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 does a nice job of getting right to the line of being like what would be called grapefruit juice without ever truly crossing that line we've we've all had hazy ipas that were just like is this beer uh this does not go into that realm but it is one of the more grapefruit forward hazies that i've had in a while uh and i had it the day it was uh you know tapped you know the day it was canned and it was so fresh uh and the grapefruit flavor like really sung uh and you know i really just miss being able to go to my local spot and sit down with the people that I know who are from my neighborhood brewery and, and chatting with people. And so I, I definitely feel like Santa Monica Brewworks has that vibe when you go there as often as I have, when things are not uh, completely crazy in the world. Uh, and, and this beer sort of represented a lot of what I think is really good uh, about Santa Monica Brewworks. I, I tend to like their IPAs, I think a little more from draft than in can, which I think is most places, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Spread Love Can release in particular, I thought was really well done this year. Uh, and so that's my number 10. Nice. And I think you bring up something uh, that I was thinking about mentioning earlier in that this is a weird year. Like we all drink way more beer in cans than we drink on draft because of the circumstances. And for me... I don't carry around a notebook. I don't have my an untapped or Evernote or any note taking uh, on my phone. I'm drinking and enjoying the moment. So on a typical year, I drink a um, maybe not more beer, but I um, don't pay as much attention. I don't have the name of the beer, the description, the style, the artwork in a can on me at all times. This year, basically the entire year outside of the first two months, it's been mostly all cans sitting right in front of me where I might have multiple cans and I can try a beer more than once. So I think um, I was planning on reviewing my previous year's list just to kind of uh, in that context to see like how it differed. I didn't get a chance to do it, but I think it's worth mentioning just it, the way that this year played out kind of, I think informs these lists this year. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, just in a quick perusal, I mean, I had maybe three of these not in cans or crowlers, uh, you know, the, yeah, I I think seven out of 10 looking at it, uh, maybe six out of 10 
were from now now a few of these were from you know places that were uh, beers consumed before everything shut down january yeah. february sometimes uh, again when you have <laughs> cool events earlier in the year uh, it makes it a lot easier to sort of um stick in the brain as like this is one of the first great <laughs> ones um totally but yeah I, I definitely found that doing everything by can or doing a lot of things by can uh expo <clears throat> pardon me exposed me to a lot of breweries that maybe i don't get to have as often or that i had not been to before or things like this, because it's just really hard to keep up with everything in mm -hmm. LA or in the greater LA area. And obviously when you do what I do for my website, everywhere. So, <laughs> so getting, getting the cans has been really, really useful. Do you, do you even have an untapped Gary? I do. It is very inactive. Uh, <laughs> I use it for research and yes. things like things like that. I don't actually log anything. Um, but one thing I was going to ask you, I was I was thinking about this myself. Did you drink more or less beer this year than last year? I bet the very strange answer to this would be more ounces, fewer beers. Got it. Right? Because normally I'm hitting the festival circuit really hard. I'm traveling a lot, so I'm doing a lot of flights. Uh, I'm doing, you know, samples, a lot of samples, trying a lot of things. Um, because again, uh, when you're in Dallas or when you're in Tucson or when you're in river, you don't know the next time you're going to be there. So you really want to try and cover as much ground as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, but here, and that's funny. I mentioned those two places cause they're both places I went in 2020, but here, uh, you just end up with cans. You don't want to like toss stuff unless it's, unless it's not good, but, right. uh, you know, at this point, I'm pretty good about not getting too many things that aren't good. I, I tend to know what's not good for the most part. Um, so yeah, and I, and I agree with you on Untapped. It's funny that you said that. I, I know you were mentioning that because you know that I have an Excel spreadsheet that is incredibly meticulous. Mm -hmm. uh, but <laughs> and I usually you'll catch me at a festival taking like notes on my notes app on my phone, uh, just so I can remember everything I had untapped once, once I realized fully the impact that untapped has on like uh, the, how consumers who are looking for craft beer will choose where to go. Like if I have a beer from a place and it's not to my liking, a, that doesn't mean it's not a good beer and B it doesn't mean it's not a good brewery, but if I put in a score and knock it the way you see some of these people do on untapped, that affects their business mm -hmm. truly, you mm -hmm. know? So I will only log in at this point if I have like a five out of five and I'm like, I'm, I gotta let people know this joint is a five out of five. This is, mm. or like a 4.7 out of five out of five, like a no mess around kind of beer. Mm -hmm. uh, but outside of that, I will not log uh, anything that I don't like because I think that that is stupid. I'll log it in my private Excel spreadsheet <laughs> so that it doesn't affect their business. Right. Um, but yeah, that's that is the one sort of downside of of Untapped. But then again, I also use Untapped, like you said, as a guide to figure out where I might go. And obviously, some of those crap reviews play into that to some extent. So right. maybe I'm a hypocrite. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you, I, you can't 
really trust. Did you even say, did you even say what your number ten was? <laughs> no, I'm about to get into it. <laughs> this podcast for people who want to get down to brass tacks, this might not be the greatest podcast in the world. But, <laughs> all right, know. all right, we'll keep it focused. Um, I'm, no, we probably 10. won't. That's okay. I know. Uh, my number ten is a beer that I drank within the last month or so, um, about four to six weeks that at the time that I had it, I would not have told you it would make this list. Since I've had it, it sat with me and it stuck with me. And as I was thinking about putting this together, I thought it deserves a place here. And that beer is called Forget Me Not from Common Space Brewery. It's a 6.66% black IPA. Um, It was released in early November. And it was one of two black IPAs that I had all year long. And it just reminded me once again, that this style that really is almost extinct deserves to exist. I love this style. I, um, I was on another podcast recently talking about like my gateway and transition into beer and that it was through hop forward, multi beers, you know, green flash, hop head, red being kind of like this beer that was my, my absolute love in the early days. And it transitioned into black IPAs. I love the way that big, intense bitterness and um, citrus dankness uh, plays up against sweet multi character. And this beer was that. So um, yeah, it was a throwback to my early days in beer. And it was a style that just I think needs to be represented more. And that is my number 10. I'm so glad you said that about black IPAs. I love black IPAs and I totally agree. Uh, I was at mother road in Flagstaff uh, and they make some phenomenal beer. And I think uh, their main IPA tower station is like the highest selling craft beer in Arizona. Uh, They have uh, in cans or they had in cans lost highway, a, uh, a black IPA that was absolutely terrific. And I think I arrived right as like the last batch was coming off the line and i talked mm. to the brewery about it the the owner of mother wrote about it and he was like yeah i mean it just sadly it doesn't sell it's a great beer but it just you know like people don't really buy black ipas like that and that really sucks because it's a phenomenal beer and and i really like the style totally yeah good stuff and i like what common space is doing just a lot of experimental things so i'm um, glad to uh to have them represented here um so yeah moving on number nine what do you got buddy Number nine, number nine. Uh, God bless America. I'm I'm torn between a couple still. These these early ones. It's like you know when you're putting together a list and like the top five or six. You're like I feel very good about this, and then the final like couple, which are all great. It's like it's like absolutely pulling teeth. I think I'm gonna go actually with a place that you took me for the first mm. time uh, earlier this year. Uh, Tortugo Brewing. Uh, which I just hadn't gotten around to. I don't get down, and I live on the west side. There's no excuse. Um, Inglewood is not that far from me. Um, the Crystal Ball on Peppers Lager. Uh, I think Gary was there when uh, I was asked, sort of like, you know, do do any of y'all want some of this, uh, you know, spicy lager? And my eyes just like lit up. I love a good a well-executed spicy beer. I've had from all across the country spicy beers that have no spice flavor at all. Like just like a little, like somebody put a little chili powder in it or whatever, (laughs) you know, it sucks. 
and I've also had the ones that immediately make you gasp, you know, and those kind of are fun in a novelty kind of way, but they're not great to drink. Uh, this is neither of those. Um, I think I also had just the regular standard crystal ball lager, uh, which was also nice, but uh, the crystal ball on peppers is just next level uh, because it gives pepper flavor and like a little heat, but not too much heat. Uh, but again, it's, it's more about the flavor of the pepper than the heat. Uh, and it's already sort of a nice, clean, crisp lager uh, underneath that. And uh, we got this in the summer. We got this uh, kind of around my birthday. Uh, and so having this sort of like uh, just spicy enough lager for the front yard in July in L.A., uh, it was just a really, really nice experience. Uh, I definitely remember that fondly. And it, and it put Tortugo on my radar in a big way. I'm, I'm excited for my next trip there for sure. Nice. Yeah, like those guys. Number nine for me, Mumford. Box logo, number 10. Box mm. logo series uh, has been good since day one, has been great since day one. Um, and, you know, when Mumford in those early days was a, you know, get in line to get a can type of thing. There was, you know, lines down the street in those early days and things have kind of changed for Mumford over time, but the beer hasn't. The beer has only gotten better in my opinion. Um, and I don't get a ton of beer from them. So when I do, I always make sure to like pay attention to what I'm drinking and um, appreciate it. And so Box Logo number 10 uh, was released in mid-September. It's a 8.5% northeast style double ipa and this is a, a beer that features a hop that is going to come up multiple times in my top 10 because it came up on my radar in a big way this year and it's my favorite hop uh right now and so this is hopped with citra and strata strata I, I knew that's what you're gonna say strata is my thing so it's a lot of um, it's it's the hot it's the hot hop right now, baby. It's it's kind of everywhere, and I I love what it's doing to IPAs, um, because it's not tropical. That's my biggest thing with IPAs is I'm kind of over the big tropical fruit. I've had too many beers that taste like orange, pineapple, guava, and <laughs> uh, I'm kind of digging what Strata does with like strawberry and dankness and. Um, just a little bit of, of citrus too. So it's, it's pretty cool. And so what Mumford did with box logo um, was balance. Um, another thing that I look for in hazy IPAs, my consumption of hazy IPAs went down significantly this year and it's just from haze fatigue. And so when Mumford comes out with a, with a hazy that has um, a little bit of dank character to it with a little bit of bit bitterness to kind of balance out um, what's happening on the uh, kind of fruity, sweeter side of things, tropical side of things, I'm into it. And so this beer was creamy and thick, like a hazy IPA should be, um, you know, not like milkshake thick, but it had like some nice body to it, but it wasn't like over the top. So I just thought that Mumford nailed the balance all around with logo box logo number 10. And uh, when number 11 comes out, I'll be a buyer. Yeah, I think I forget the last box logo I had. It was probably seven or eight. Uh, yeah, I mean, they just they just do really good work. I just got the time shift effect, uh, which was their newest release. 
which was quite good. Uh, it's featured in a giveaway we're doing at the Beer Travel Guide right now, which will be over probably by the time you all listen to this. But if you want to take part in future giveaways, subscribe to the newsletter. Another shameless plug. Yes. Uh, why do why did why why aren't there big lines in Mumford? I remember having a conversation with them. Four, like three years ago about this i was like why why do i have to wait in line other places for beer where your beer is just as good like what's what's the deal there? i mean like the location may play a part there obviously but yeah uh i i mean i, I don't think i know enough to say for sure but i think in the early days their first few haze releases uh, were kind of off the charts and took a lot of people by surprise and got a ton of word of mouth. And so the Haysboro community, especially in those early days, really flocked to it. And then I think that they might have missed on a couple beers that, you know, when you get a little bit inconsistent, you can sometimes lose that if you haven't held that entrenched position like Monkish has for, you know, four years now. So... Sure. I think that's kind of something that happened in Mumford's early days. And I think really it's a supply and demand issue. Like they were just a lot smaller batch back then. Mm. Now they have a little bit of um, regional or like local distro where you can get their beers in bottle shops around town. And I mean, not in a big way, but in a way that you couldn't before. So, you know, when you, when, when that starts happening, it starts killing, you know, that like hype, Thing, but I think yeah, that they right. were never really about that. That wasn't part of their yeah. identity. And um, I appreciate that because I hate overly hyped stuff. Yeah. See, this is why I like doing podcasts with Gary because Gary will be giving a, a review of a beer and he'll be like, it's a 6.8% ABV. It was released on this date. Uh, they had <laughs> just uh, installed a new mash ton uh, that they received from, you know, this company uh, that was run by the assistant brewer of another thing. And like Gary knows the details, dude. He's got, he's like, he's like, oh, I don't remember what beers I uh, <laughs> had or whatever, but dude's an encyclopedia. Whereas I'm sitting here going like, I like this beer. It's good. You know, and like, that's, that's more or less the end of my analysis. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with your hazy take. And this is, that's as somebody who I do drink a good amount of hazy beer, but I have found myself getting more and more, um, discerning is the nice word for it. And snooty is the not nice word for it. Um, I like discerning. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> discerning is a good way of saying snooty. I, uh, you know, so I end up drinking like Monkish Highland Park, Mumford would be included. And then what I'm going to mention next as a yes. nice segue. Love it. Uh, but yeah, I've definitely trimmed down on some of the ones where I would drink some hazy stuff from these other places before. And now I won't really as much. I've, I've, I, I too have found that sometimes you'll get some sameness. And especially in LA, I think we've been really, really blessed with a few breweries that have very distinctive styles of hazy yes and uh, yeah like i've been to a lot of cities and drank a lot of hazies <laughs> and there are not a ton of hazy breweries where it is good and distinctive whereas i mean gary you can correct me if i'm wrong if you had to blind taste test a monkish hazy a highland park hazy a Mumford hazy, maybe you could throw a modern times hazy in there. I mean, I feel like I could tell you which is which. You yeah. know what I mean? Now I drank more of it than you, so maybe you wouldn't maybe I for like, you. I like the West challenge though. That sounds like a fun video. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, but I <laughs> but I do think their styles are 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 distinctive but yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we have a great luxury living in uh, LA to experience. I mean, even some other big cities uh, that are known for their beer scenes don't necessarily have that. Yeah. Totally. Uh, but I also really liked the hazy IPA as a segue into my number eight. Uh, and this is from 10 mile brewing. Uh, I went on a bit of a rant to you, Gary, uh, about breweries that go under the radar, uh, for like no reason. And I, and I don't understand. And again, maybe it is a lack of hype. Maybe it is, you know, people want to chase the, uh, the tail of the comet, you know, they, they, they want to do the thing. Um, and 10 mile brewing has never necessarily been a place where I always seek it out. Like I, I have been to the tap room before. I really enjoyed it. And I was drinking this Acadian fog. Acadian fog is my number eight beer. And I just started going back and thinking like, if I had a beer from 10 mile that I did not enjoy and I, I could not think of one. I consulted my Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> All of the reviews were sterling. <laughs> and, you know, again, at a time when I'm drinking fewer hazies, this was a terrific hazy double IPA, uh, 9.2%. It was a big boy, uh, but it did not uh, taste that way. Uh, I tend to prefer my hazies with more of a, a dry finish. Uh, rather than sort of the sweeter finish, uh, this definitely uh, hit me there. Good head on the on the can, uh, and I mean they also have really good West Coast. IPA. They got good everything at mm-hmm. Ten Mile. I definitely think this is one of the breweries that in 2021, when I'm shopping locally, I'm uh, gonna try to feature more, and I'm gonna try to hammer more, and I'm gonna try and like get in touch with them and go to their tap room when they open more uh, because. I think it's high time, especially like when at a time when breweries are struggling everywhere, that if there's a place that makes nothing but good beer, even if they don't necessarily make the beer that's going to be my favorite beer of the year, if you make nothing but let's let's not even say good, really good beer. If you make nothing but really good beer the way that 10 Mile, in my experience, has, then you deserve to stay open. You deserve to have business. You deserve to have people posting about you and saying, why aren't you buying cans of 10 mile at your local bottle shop or mm-hmm. going to the brewery and supporting them when they're open or what have you. Um, I know I have not talked much about the beer itself. I mean, it's Simcoe Citra Mosaic. I mean, uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's, that's a standard combo. It's a great combo. It works. Um, you know, you got the citrus, you got the hop. I mean, like, I, I don't really like, I also feel like this is a problem you come across when like explaining hazy IPAs is sometimes like, if it's really well executed, like, you know what it tastes like. I can tell you if it's really good, it's a high ABV Simcoe Citra mosaic hazy with a dry finish. You're like, I get it. You know, Mm -hmm. I I don't need to go into it too much, Uh, but it's so well executed, just like so much of their stuff. Uh, I don't know the people who work there. I don't like, it's not like my buddy is there and I'm trying to like do something here. I don't know any of them, Uh, but I think they make really good beer and I wanted to give them some love here. I like it. I like it a lot. I I totally agree. They are super under hyped, underrated, whatever you want to say. And they um, are just one of several in the Long Beach area yeah. that, like we were saying, deserve love. That are putting out great beer. You know, family-owned business, father-son brew team, home brewers turn pro brewers. Like you love the story. Um, it doesn't. See, I didn't even know the out. story. I, I I love the story now. Yeah. See, this is why I'm on the podcast with Gary. Gary knows the backstories. <laughs> 
it doesn't you know, always that that story doesn't always work out this way and so when you see sure. them execute at this level in a very consistent way uh it's super cool and those beers never get up here to where i'm at in in the san fernando valley um their their business model is uh focused on putting beer out at their two tap rooms so they're not a distro play they're not a bottle shop play i mean while they will get around long beach um, it is very much a enjoy on-premise type of business model. Um, they have two tap rooms and yeah, they deserve to stay open. And there's a few other breweries in Long Beach that are in that kind of similar boat, like really, really good beer. So I'm, I'm super glad that you have them on the list. Yeah. I mean, I've also, I've in relatively limited experience too. I mean, ambitious ales, yep. I, I've really enjoyed Long Beach beer lab. Uh, not only makes great beer, but terrific bread, unreal yeah. bread. Uh, I mean, obviously Beachwood, although I don't think we need to mention them. They're just really good across the board. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that, I mean, even as somebody who lives on the West side and it's more of a straight shop for me than it is for you, that's still a far way away from people who live in LA. But, um, so, I mean, I guess that plays a role, but yeah, if you do endeavor to go to Long Beach, uh, or that area, or you see 10 mile in your bottle shop, I strongly recommend a purchase They, they are well worth it. Absolutely. All right. Number eight for me. Yeah. Number eight for you. Let's do it. Um, so this one is a beer I had pretty recently. Um, this one's called little green room. It's a bohemian style Pilsner from three weavers brewing company, 5.2%. Uh, this one was released like right before Thanksgiving. So it was just a, a gift from the three weavers brewing team to all of us. Um, I think this is the second year that they've released it. And my and I heard such good things about it last year, and I never got it. And so I made a special trip to pick up, and I bought two four packs of this. I don't buy two four packs of really <laughs> anything, and uh, I'm so glad that I did. I have a couple cans left, and this thing is—it's just so good. It's exactly what you want a pilsner to be. And while um, I think Italian pills and hobby pills like West Coast Pills, both get a lot of attention in the Pilsner market these days. Um, Italian being on the sweeter side, Hoppy Pills being more IPL, more IPA, you know, focused. Um, Bohemian style Pilsner, I'm all about that, like, spicy, crisp uh, experience on, on that beer. And Three Weavers just killed it. And there's just a touch of, like, of sweet malt character on the back end of it to kind of balance that whole thing out. It's a beautiful beer that um, to me was like a nice continuation from Oktoberfest. Like I spent September and October drinking a lot of German style lagers. And this beer was kind of just a nice transition into the winter months. Uh, I don't know if I've drank a stout yet so like i'm not a i'm not a big dark beer guy so i'm just continuing on with lagers and and hoppy ipas and things like that so uh yeah number eight three weavers made it and uh i'm stoked that they did i'm glad that i got this beer and i'm glad i have a couple more cans of it yeah i uh i i three weavers is uh, another place that was on my best california beers of 2020 list that is not going to be on my on my final list again for some of the same reasons i know they're doing fine uh, but they, for a brewery that has the distro that they have to make beer that is as consistently good as theirs is, 
is really something. Um, I have a, I have a question. I'm springing a question on Gary. This is always good because Gary is, is a great preparer. And so I like to, uh, <laughs> throw curveballs every once in a while, just to see where he goes with it. New beer. Where, where would you say, uh, the breweries in LA County are that, that make the Pilsners that you prefer the most? I mean, obviously Highland Park is going to be on there. Uh, where else, if, if you had a burgeoning Pilsner fanatic in front of you that said, tell me where in LA County to go for some sweet, sweet, crispy boys, where, uh, where are you sending them? Yeah. Um, I, my favorite Pilsner in LA is patient Pilsner. It's a Czech style pills from 14 cannons. So that's in 12 ounce cans, um, in distro through the Valley, um, but not much further. I mean, I think they're getting onto the West side. If you check out LA draft, they get some of their beers. Um, I'll, I'll have to check that out. I've, I like 14 cannons. I've never had that one before. Yeah. That's a great beer. So that's, that's probably my number one. Um, yeah, nothing else is coming to mind. Uh, I, Oh, um, 10 mile has a good one. A German style pills called Sunnyside. No so, surprise there. Yeah, those are those are the two that come to mind. But yeah, I, I think um, Highland Park for the hoppy pills, and sure. and fourteen cannons for the Czech style. Uh, Czech style pills is is my number one f- style of pills. All right, I'm gonna have to check that out. That's good. I like that. Um, I'm gonna move on to a brewery that you've already mentioned. Um, different beer here. It's funny that you said you have not had a stout. This year, because this is uh, definitely a stout. Uh, it's the Black is Beautiful uh, from Mumford. Um, I really just wanted to include the Black is Beautiful sort of uh, movement on yes. here uh, because it it was not just great from like a a perspective of of away from the beer right um which everything that it does and everything that it stands for and the causes that it's raised money for have obviously been great but i say but as if that's to be dismissed it's obviously not right. <laughs> but like i in I addition think to yeah yeah but in in addition the beers that it inspired were also really great like the base from weathered souls was terrific uh, and then so many of the breweries that I had, and I think I had several variants um, from a number of places, uh, people did not shy away for the most part. Um, and I sort of chose the Mumford one. to. I think it was the first one I had in LA. And I think I sort of chose it because it was like a 10% big boy. <laughs> <laughs> but the price was reasonable um and i also just know from experience you know from those stick figure series and everything else that mumford makes fantastic stouts uh and sure enough i mean like this it's 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 a coffee cacao imperial stout uh it's big it's bold uh i like my coffee beers to taste like coffee uh had big coffee flavor uh, you never sort of uh, lose sight of that sort of, uh, you know, uh, chocolatey, toasty base uh, from the stout itself. Um, and I and I liked that, again, it was something that, that like everybody could have. I definitely saw some breweries went so big with it that then they like cranked up the price a lot too, 
which is fine. Um, you know, and I'm going to talk about price a little bit later too, because that's another sort of uh, during a pandemic. It's something that I think about a lot is how affordable craft beer is and how do we get craft beer into people's hands? Where's that sweet spot of, you know, how to let people drink craft, but also stay in business, which, you know, is a question that people will continue to ask one another. Yeah. Um, but I really like that Mumford, uh, did some stuff that was bigger and bolder than other places. And yet it was more affordable than some of the other places without naming any of the other places. <laughs> um, Cause we're about positivity here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, Mumford obviously does great IPAs. I'm glad you mentioned their IPAs, but I have routinely been impressed by the stouts as well. I think too often they're sort of, they're, the, they're a hazy place, um, mm -hmm. but their stouts are, really really noteworthy and again those stick figure series that they've done in the past they're they're almost always collaborating with great stout makers from across the country um and i mean this is just another one of those terrific collaborations in my opinion yeah yeah no um when i saw this on your list um i i noted or i remembered that i had i've heard multiple people call out this Mumford's beer as their favorite Black is Beautiful release. I never got a chance to have it, um, but you know, it, 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 it probably around, went very, yeah, it, it stuck it was, around for a bit though. You know, yeah. like it was, it like they, they put it out, but it like sat on their list for a few weeks. And I remember seeing people like, do you still have this? And they're like, yeah, come on down. Like it was at the time That's where like nothing was open and, you know, yeah. like everyone was just trying to like sell beer, like, you know, and out of yeah. a window and uh yeah right and so yeah it's cool to, it's cool to see that and um yeah i wish that i got my hands on it to be honest i mean I, I i don't remember how much it was i mean this is just a total guess on my part but it it couldn't have been more than six dollars for a 16 ounce can of top-notch 10 percent imperial stout yeah. and you know you definitely saw this particular type of beer in other places go for eight dollars uh i definitely saw one place where it was pushing 10 you know like so uh for a 16 ounce can that's a little steep but if you can do but i also saw some people do basically no variance at all right and then and then it was affordable and it was nice but it was basically just the weathered souls beer uh, maybe maybe slightly different but like I, I felt like they hit just a beautiful niche sweet spot right in the middle there and I mean, the, the the skill of the people who work there uh, is just top notch. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Twenty bucks a four pack for a ten percent beer yeah, with imperial what? stout with coffee and cacao. What? Yeah. What? And you know what I mean? Like, and proceeds were donated to the ACLU. And so. proceeds are donated. Like, think about how many twenty dollar per four pack beers of like a seven percent hazy IPA you see in LA. Now, granted, uh, ingredients are expensive. You know, I'm sure there's justification right, for that right. too. I don't want to like dismiss. Sometimes beers are expensive for a reason. But like, if you can find ways of making tremendous quality beers that are not just a great cause but also affordable to the people who don't have jobs right now and who are, are trying to get by or whatever i mean i just it it just speaks to community engagement i think yeah. um which again i think is a, a big reason why we do a a podcast about the LA beer community, you know, is to sort of help uh, uh, generate some of that goodwill towards the people who, who need support 
uh, in the breweries. Um, so if they're helping support the people outside of the breweries who are the customers by selling a 10% monster for five bucks a can, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's so awesome i i was about to say six was a good price and you said five holy moly you know yeah. that's just that's sick dude yeah good for them good for them and i yeah and their cause was great i mean that's awesome and i think they put it right on the can too i love the people who did the black is beautiful where like in the description there was no like where are they going with it whatever they're like we are going to this place for this reason um and so many of the cans I saw had that. And again, it, it put on my radar a bunch of terrific organizations, charities, what have you, for worthy causes that, you know, there are a lot of good causes out there. So sometimes some of them go under the radar too. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I thought that was great. It was a great beer by a great brewery. Great pick, man. I like that a lot. That was number seven, right? Yeah, I'm getting worked up here, Gary. I'm getting worked up. I like I like that a lot. <laughs> That's a good. I'm pick. gonna work. I've, I've got more. I've got more picks that are gonna work me up later. Don't come. I'm. I'm starting. I'm. I'm coming in too hot. I gotta. All right. Keep I'm gonna. I'm gonna have feel. to bring it up a notch to kind of balance you out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I'm really is. excited about this beer. I am fired up about my number seven pick. Actually, I kind of am. Um, this is a beer that I drank in mid-April, and uh, I had basically forgotten about it. Um, up until a couple weeks ago when I started looking back and doing a little research for this. And it it kind of um, personifies what I was looking for in the first half of 2020 in terms of beer styles. So my number seven pick is called People Brew from Ogopogo Brewing. This is a 5.9% single hazy IPA. It's got Simcoe, it's got Mosaic, and it's got Chinook. Um, I, I just love how like straightforward this beer is. Um, this is a collaboration with the band People Mover. And for anyone that's not familiar with them, it's a concept band. They, the guys dress up like these woodland creatures, like Yetis and like Bigfoots and stuff. And they stay <laughs> in character throughout all their public appearances. So uh, the guys uh, behind Ogopogo, or at least uh, Jason at Ogopogo's uh, former, former musician. And so he's got a lot of ties in the music industry. And he's kind of, uh, you know, he's the co-founder. He's one of the main guys behind the scenes. And uh, they did this collaboration with his band and he just totally embraced it. So uh, you, you guys will have to kind of look back on our podcast uh, for his explanation of like how this collaboration went down because it's pretty fun and pretty funny and the way he describes it is pretty cool so that's Ogopogo um, podcast back in April but this beer um, you know I drank it with him when they first released it um, this was like early COVID like kind of pulled down that first brewery I went to after like we all shut down and kind of pulled down your mask real quick and put your yeah, mask yeah, back right. on and oh, let's go behind here so that nobody sees us and put your mask back because I'm not sure like what we can be doing here. It was a very weird time. But um, anyways, the beer was awesome. And basically, they're trying to make a hazy IPA um, that has some like woodlandy, foresty, piney bitterness to it. So Simcoe Mosaic and Chinook is what they kind of came up with with the hop bill. And you basically get this beer that um has a nice like fruity 
component to it, the pineapple cantaloupe, but with like a oily grapefruit pith, you know, citrus component. So there's like that kind of West Coast IPA style to it. Um, in the end, this beer's ba super ba well balanced. So it's got like the best of the hazy and the best of the West Coast. This is a hybrid uh, IPA through and through. And that is what I found myself gravitating towards in that first half of 2020. Um, this, I mean, the beer was just, it was just so good. And uh, I think Ogopogo does a really, really good job with all their beers. I would love for them to put out more beers like this. Um, I don't think they have done anything like this since then, um, but they do a lot of really cool, fun stuff. Um, but when I was talking, when I was thinking through this hybrid IPA thing, uh, one of the beers that I talked to a lot of people about, I may have even talked about it on our last podcast, the West Coast IPA podcast that you and I did, um, was Blurred Lines by El Segundo. So I'm kind of giving an honorable mm. mention to the beer Blurred Lines by El Segundo. It's a hybrid IPA. Um, it's got the best of what you want in a hazy, the best of what you want in the West Coast, all in one delicious package. And I can't wait till they put that beer out again. And if I didn't already have them very high up for another beer, that would have been on the list. So um, Ogopogo People Brew, I just love those guys. And that beer was really cool. So, so two things. First of all, uh, yeah, I mean, El Segundo is great uh, on our best California beers of 2020 list on the Beer Travel Guide. Uh, I have Old Jetty on there. Nice. Uh, again, I left Old Jetty off of this list uh, because, again, I think people who live in LA who know what Old Jetty is understand. And you know, much like with the Monkish, like I don't think necessarily Old Jetty needs to like be mentioned where people are like, you have to have this. Um, and I've also had it like every year for the past couple of years. It's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but El Segundo, obviously I, I'm not surprised at all that, uh, their IPA game is strong. The, the thing that you said in that review that I really liked was, uh, you talked about sort of like the story of it a little bit in terms of your experience with it, right? That this is sort of the flavor profile that you found yourself seeking out at this point in time. And I do feel like a lot of the time, the best beers are the ones that that speak to that, that that end up developing a story within you, like a narrative where you very rarely just remember like the the beer itself. You remember where you were. You remember maybe how you were feeling that day. You remember, you know, all of these things like the top five or six on this list i didn't need to look up any details about it i wrote no notes mm -hmm. you know like i i understand i get it you know um and i think that a lot of the time when we talk about what the best beers are it's so tempting to be like this can of whatever is objectively great you know but i i think that there are great beers also that that just end up meaning more to us as yeah. beer drinkers um yeah. And so I, I love that idea of, you know, obviously I'm Ogopogo, I know makes really good beer. El Segundo obviously makes great beer too, but like finding something that's not just a great beer technically that they made, but finding something that, that sort of speaks to the heart of, of who we are, I think is really great. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, 2020, early 2020 
was a moment, you know, like, or like that springtime was a moment where it's, you know, I, I did a thing called quarantine beer of the day for a little bit that I was drinking a different <laughs> awesome. beer every day. Like I hadn't done that before. And it changed the, it changed my relationship with beer a little bit in a weird way, because I was drinking something different, a different style. I was trying to change up styles and I was doing different things. And, uh, and when I finally got to go out, I, I was shooting a vlog. So I have a, like, I was doing a pickup all across like the Eastern part of LA County. And this is when I had this beer from Ogopogo. And it was like, wait, places like, uh, there are certain places that like you couldn't even step foot inside. And then there were places like this where like, you know, you could go inside, but like, it was kind of weird and not saying in a way, like calling them out, you know, nobody knew what was going on and we were all just right. we were being as safe as possible. Um, and, uh, and he was, he was describing this beer and we were drinking it and it's, it's described as this hazy IPA. And so I drink it and I'm like, this isn't a very good hazy IPA. But then I was like, but it's a really good beer like this. It has like some components of hazy that I really like, but then it's also like bitter and piney and it's a little bit on the thinner side for the body that I was like, I really like this beer a lot. But if you're just calling it a hazy, I'm like, I don't know if I'm, you know, on board with that. So I think, I think they created something that was really cool. And uh, like you said, it came at me at a time that was like a meaningful moment. And uh, I like that memory a lot. Uh, yeah, I did a little something at the beginning uh, of quarantine called Quarantine Four Beers of the Day, and I didn't record it. <laughs> it was just me alone in my apartment uh, drinking beer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that brings you to number six. So, number six. Yeah. yeah I'll, 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 I was going to I was going to open this new I was going to open this new beer, but I think I'll wait until after this. Um, okay. for number six, what I have is dry river brewing, uh, their Michelada. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I could have put anything by dry river brewing here. I'm really upset that their tap room is closing, uh, in Boyle Heights. It was one of the best tap rooms, I think in the greater LA area. Uh, it was rustic. It was homey. Uh, the people who work there are incredibly nice, very informative, uh, much like their motto is, is slow beer. You know, it's a great place to just sort of take your time, easy sip. You can, you know, have nice casual conversation. It really sort of fostered that, that sense of conversation and community. Uh, and it's going to be really, really missed, uh, especially by uh, me and Emily. We, anytime we were downtown, we would always go uh, big, big fans. They just make some of the best sour beer, not just in LA, probably not just in the state. Also, you know, like nationwide, they make tremendous sour beer. I know that they uh, said in their sort of uh, goodbye post, uh, that they're going to keep making beer. At least that's what the hope is going forward. That They'll keep selling bottles and that they're sort of, and I talked to them some at the holiday beer hop and they seemed uh, excited about the possibilities of of what uh, moving away from the tap room could potentially bring. Uh, I'm I'm hopeful that that is the case and that they uh, continue to do very well uh, in the post tap room uh, world. I told them straight up <laughs> this weekend. 
I've got to find a way to get those Michelada crawlers, man. I've got to like, can they sell them on their website? Whatever, because <laughs> they make bar none, the best Michelada, uh, in LA County. Um, and I think only really the good beer company in Santa Ana competed for any sort of, uh, sour Michelada vibe in the sort of greater Southern California area period. Uh, it just, it's Lady Roja, uh, their botanical saison, uh, is the base for this, uh, Michelada. And I, I don't know how to describe it because whenever you will tell people it is a Michelada with a sour beer base, there's an immediate like revulsion response. I feel like from so many people, <laughs> Or at least they're like, oh, that must be so weird or whatever. But once you've had it, it's not weird at all. It, it gives you that uh, Michelada seasoning uh, that you're looking for, that little, that little bit of heat, um, such tremendous flavor. And the Lady Roja is, uh, you know, it's it's not like, I think sometimes when they uh, when people picture like a sour beer Michelada, they picture like, you know, something really sour, like really, really like, like extreme ingredients on both sides, but mm. Lady Roja has a Saison. It's got a nice tartness to it. Um, it definitely has some pucker to it. There's no question, but there's also some nice uh, complexity of flavor to it that I think complements the Michelada mix very nicely. Uh, I forget whether it was my birthday. No, in my birthday, we had uh, Micheladas from Tortugo Brewing who actually also make terrific micheladas mm. uh so i take it back it's not like dry river is like far and away but uh it's my favorite in the county um and they'll sell you uh a crowler of the of the mix and the lady roja so you can sort of combine your own and then if you've got like your own sort of like rim for the salt at home yeah. you can sort of uh make your own sort of beer cocktail yourself um I just think that that drink is one of the things that I'm going to remember the most about that tap room uh, because those micheladas are just unreal. I, I could sit here and talk about any one of their sour beers, their barrel aged, a, a tremendous work uh, that they have. And I bought a bunch of bottles from them uh, this weekend because uh, Lord knows my cellar needs more bottles of beer, but, uh, <laughs> but if you're going to, if you're going to buy bottles to support anybody dry river, uh, those people are, are enormously worthy of your money. And again, the, the Michelada is just one of those things that, that gives me a flashback to, to days where Emily and I would sit and drink micheladas at length and talk to the bartender talk to the person sitting next to us uh and you know sometimes you don't want a super sour barrel aged beer at noon mm -hmm. you know but a michelada is a perfect segue into that uh it, just really one of the special drinks in the la area uh i'm i'm gonna miss it a lot if i'm not gonna be able to get some uh, once they go into the post tap room model mm -hmm. uh, i'm really really hopeful that they find a way to keep that sustaining because i will absolutely invest money in keeping that afloat <laughs> I, I want <laughs> those micheladas very very badly um that sounds super cool yeah so that's my number six and a shout out to garrett and all the people at dry river um again the, gary i know you've encountered a lot of people uh who work in the beer community in the la county area and beyond and there are a lot of really swell people um 
but the the sort of kindness and generosity with their time and their opinions that the people at Dry River have had towards uh, at least me and Emily uh, is incredible. And I've and I've seen them do it not just to to people who are going to write about them on a website. They'll any stranger who walks in, they I've, they will explain the the bountiful flavors of their of their huge flights of sour bit like they'll they'll do it to anybody they're they're just super super generous with their time and, and really about community um so shout out to all those guys they're great i'm i'm gonna miss that tap room a great deal yeah yeah definitely a unique place and if this podcast comes out in time uh please hit them up for it to go and just get a peek at it um because it's uh i don't know what what becomes of that space after this, but it's such a, uh, it's like a hole in the wall. That's like a portal to a rustic uh, woodland vintage handmade crazy place. Like it's just so everything feels recycled. It's uh, it's super cool. And I'm not a big Michelada guy. Um, I can (laughs) count on one hand that I've ever had a Michelada. Um, but I like I used to like Bloody Marys uh, back in the day, so I appreciate the the spicy tomato mix. Um, but I feel like micheladas were always just like, oh, throw it in a light beer just to kind of put some body, you know, put some right. some volume and alcohol into it. And what you're describing sounds like something that's like um, an experience, you know, like yes, it's something that like gives a flavor that complements the uh the michelada mix versus putting it in a in a light beer and just letting it run the show so that sounds cool i mean i hopefully they keep doing it because i you got me intrigued and i'm not a michelada guy at all yeah i mean botanical saison michelada is is just such a great combination of words you know even beyond the flavor just saying it aloud sounds great um yeah i I think an experience is a great way of putting it. And honestly, I think you could say that for a lot of their beer, if not the vast majority of it. Um, There have been beers that I've had there that I've not totally loved, but when I've had them, the complexity of the flavor and the boldness of vision with which they're going for, like they're, they're not going for like safe doubles. They're swinging for the fences every time. Right. And, and that deserves just the utmost respect, uh, you know, in a world where so many people would just choose to, to kettle sour another raspberry or orange or peach or whatever thing, you know, (laughs) they're, they're, they're committed to that barrel life, you know, and that's, and that's where the, (laughs) That's that's a that's a life worth living, you know. That's a life worth investing in. Right. So, and it was right across, and that taproom was right across the street from Indie Brewing too. So, I mean, you could go and you could park right there, and you could, you know, drink some some hardcore sours, and you could go to Indie, and you could drink some nice lagers, or you know, uh, some of the the nice stuff they've had there over the years. I mean, uh, they almost always would have some sort of great sort of like little tented food uh, station outside and whatever. It's just a great way to spend an afternoon. Um, and so, yeah, it's really upsetting that that's, uh, that that sort of marriage of nice next door breweries is breaking up too, because I thought they, they both provided such a unique experience. Uh, one being more for playing the games, the next being more for the, the sitting and chilling, you know, there's a whole, it's a whole vibe, uh, that whole area. It's almost like they belong together, you know, like almost like it was two businesses under one roof, you know, it was a destination over in that yeah. little corner of Boyle Heights. And um, as they finish the 7th Street Bridge, um, we're going to, you know, 
we're gonna have one less brewery tap room over there to visit so which is heartbreaking um, gary did i see you open to timbo pills i did i did i went timbo are you going highland park as well I'm going Highland Park. I got the Highland Park glass. Ooh. I could have chosen any of these glasses that I've got here. I've got the Dry River glass also. You know, I've got all of it here. Um, I've got their new IPA, the Coleman IPA. Oh, that one sounds so good because it has my favorite hop in it. Which is? Strata. Oh, yeah, that's that's right. You mentioned it earlier. I've <laughs> been drinking too many brown ales all day, Gary. I didn't remember what just happened. Yeah, um, it's a really interesting beer this is my second one that i've had uh in what three days so that's an endorsement um i definitely think it doesn't necessarily taste exactly like uh you know we were talking about earlier we could just taste test their stuff Mm -hmm. um i think because it's a collaboration with seller maker you know it, it seems like it stands out a little bit like i've got a bunch of hazy stuff new england ipas from highland park in there i've got like the ultra cloud i've got the exceptionally loud i've got you know a bunch of stuff and all of those like you can it's got that highland park vibe and this maybe has a little bit of it but it definitely feels more like a collaboration um mm-hmm. i mean i'm gonna drink it i'm gonna stop talking about it yeah i mean in their description of it they were like this beer um personifies what we're what we call the cellar maker haze and it's like a slight haze um according to their description you know it, it might it might hit the sweet spot of what you're talking about a little bit it's definitely not traditionally hazy i mean like uh i don't know that it's seller maker i'm a big fan of seller they're great they're fantastic yeah i mean this this might i don't know that they would call it a hybrid necessarily but because it's you know these these agriculture hops it's it's definitely got a sort of a a pinier vibe a, a more sort of uh that that west coast hoppy vibe maybe a little bit more than than you might have in some of the other highland park hazy stuff um it's really interesting i'm I'm really glad i got it and uh i think it's it's cool when you try a beer that you expect to taste one way from a brewery you know that you love and it takes you in a slightly different direction yeah. i always think that's really cool too yeah that is cool Nice man. I enjoy, I am, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of you drinking that now. Um, all right. That's I'm going to jump I'm here in. to make you jealous. I'm going to jump into number six, bro. Do it. All right. This one uh, is a beer that I was loud about mid year, right around 4th of July. I was loud about this beer. This is a uh, Recchio ship, 10.5% triple cannons? IPA, 14 cannons. Yeah. This was released uh, right at 4th of July, which is, I think, um, the best slash worst time to release a triple IPA. But, uh, <laughs> sure. but I, I, uh, I really, really like this. I really like this brewery. I really like the brewer. And this beer was uh, triple dry hopped with Citra, Laurel, and Motueka. And it had a delicious, delicious orange citrus component to it it had a little bit of that uh tropical sweetness that you want to have um and for a triple ipa this beer poured a very light golden yellow it didn't have any of that dark malt uh heavy malty sweetness that you see on a lot of triple ipas so drank super dry it drank more like an eight percent beer um 
And yeah, just super hoppy and delicious. This beer, I would put up against Pliny the Younger. Like this is a very, very well-executed triple IPA. Even though Pliny's, you know, it's a little old school. It, it has its place and it, it does something very unique. And uh, I really like this beer a lot. And yeah, it's sitting at number six for me. It could have been even higher, but triple IPAs are, are tough, man. <laughs> Gary hates Pliny the Younger. That's the headline. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah 14 cannons is another place while we're talking about places that you know just never make bad beer i i, I definitely don't think of it don't they have a really good black ipa too they i don't do remember have, yeah i think it's i don't remember the name keg, of it possibly is that is that the one that i've had yeah i don't i don't remember uh oh powder chest powder chest i think that's what it is yeah i mean that's that's a great beer too um yeah, I really like that spot. Also, are they technically are they are they your slightly outside LA County or are they technically LA County? They're on the border. They're inside LA County. They're on the border. Yeah, Westlake Ooh, Village is the last is the last neighborhood before you hit the county line. Very interesting. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's that's. I was I was about to say I was going to hold your feet to the fire there a little bit on that. Just wait. Um, just wait. All right, we got to stop things right there. We're already over an hour into this podcast, and we've only hit our first five beers. Man, Russell and I had such a good time reminiscing about our favorite beers of 2020 that we just have to break this up into two episodes. So thanks for listening to this one. Stay tuned. Next week, we're dropping our top five beers of 2020. Check it out. We'll see you then.